the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Nah, man, you see how good I look? Nothing signifies that more than a pinch hitter winning a the game. They shouldn't have played the old Golden Blue. Not this night. Yes, sir. Not this night. I feel cold. I feel wet. But I feel like a winner. What is Tingus Tingus? That's the problem. All right, right back. Let's go. Welcome to Panhandle Sports Live, the premier home for all things sport in the Eastern Panhandle. He's across midfield. He's into the open field. Touchdown, Martinsburg. On the first play from scrimmage for Washington, has put six points on the board from 88 yards out. Hear from the coaches and players that make the Eastern Panhandle the place for sports in the state of West Virginia. This kid, he's got silver bullets. And it's a two-possession lead for the Appleman. Gets a high snap. Robinson trying to get to the outside. Makes a trick move. Gets to the inside. Keyshawn Robinson. Touchdown, Cougars. Be a part of the conversation on today's show by texting at 304-263-4321. The throw not in time. Hedgesville's going to Charleston. He's down the sideline. Touchdown, Aiden Cade. Touchdown, Drive. Oh, my goodness. Three to shoot. Runner in the lane. It's in. Shepard wins. Shepard wins at the buzzer. The Spring Mills Cardinals, 18-0 to finish the regular season. Now, live from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in historic Martinsburg. Get your popcorn ready. Panhandle Sports Live is on the air. And it is Panhandle Sports Live on this 24th day of January 2024. As always, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kerchival Building and as always, looking to bring you the latest news and opinions, which are rarely wrong in the world of high school sports, college sports, professional sports. I'm Luke Wiggs. Daniel Woods alongside Parker Stone out for the day. Daniel Woods, how are you doing? I'm doing just fine, my friend. How are you? I'm doing okay. You know, as we were saying, a little peek behind the curtain, um, my usual morning routine... For those of you, because I know everybody cares about what Luke Wiggs' morning routine is, and you can text us 304-263-4321 to tell me to shut up about my morning routine. As that first alarm goes off about 6.40, get up, stretch a little bit, uh, and you know, ready to rock and try to get to the station early 7 o'clock hour. Sometimes you know, you want to fall back asleep, want to re-hit that snooze button. It so happens. Are, you, are you a multiple snooze guy? Oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a one long snooze guy, like okay. not a five minutes. Like if I wake up, I try to wake up. At least a half hour, if not 45 minutes before I, when I have to get up so I can okay. fall back to sleep again. Uh, so usually that first alarm goes off about 6.40, 6.45. Well, the problem was right before I went to bed last night in the delirium, and I'm sure riding off a high of what was a great EPAC basketball game, of yeah. course, uh, I sent an alarm for 6.50. And when I woke up this morning at, and I'm, I hope my bosses aren't listening, 7.40, uh, that alarm uh, said 6.50 p.m. There you go. So I'm still here. <laughs> but just barely. The natural body clock was my savior last night, but my goodness. We, we, were, we, were, we were playing fast and loose with time. I, and you, you had the same experience growing up with, with teachers for parents and teachers at your school. Uh, I was effectively trained from the time I was about seven years old uh, until I was like into college. Uh, my body clock was like, 620, you're awake. Sorry. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if it's the weekend, wh- whatever. It's like 620 a.m., boom, get up. And I would always, when I turned to uh, maybe around 7th or 8th grade, I stopped eating breakfast. I just don't really eat early in the morning. So 
So my mom would wake me up for school because you're right. She was a teacher at the school that I went through kindergarten all the way through high school. I would wake up immediately, get out of bed, get changed, go to the couch and fall back asleep until it was time to go. So, you know, I had it down to a science. But I say it right off of a high because we had ourselves a heck of a basketball game last night on these same airwaves as uh, Spring Mills and Jefferson, arguably the two best teams in the EPAC right now, stood toe-to-toe. And, well, Jefferson had it within six at the end of the first quarter. At the end of the day, it was just a little bit too much for uh, them to overcome. Spring Mills had four different players finish in double figures. We'll hear from Coach Samples here in just a moment. But the Cardinals were nearly immaculate in their performance. Caleb Thomas, 19 points, nine rebounds, eight blocks, three assists. Xavier Anderson... Those for 14 points. You have a 13-point performance from Max Anderson, 12 points and 7 rebounds from Lakaiu Smith. Aquasia Poku Champong, 7 rebounds, standing at five foot nine. Tyler Jones goes for 7 as well. I think it's important because it, it's hard to tell exactly who the second-best team is in boys' hoops in the EPAC are right now. Martinsburg also had a claim to that, although they got beaten pretty handedly by Morgantown yesterday on the road. We had number one against number two, in my opinion, in girls' hoops on Monday. And Washington got the victory there. And for the time being, we'll call it number one against number two in boys' hoops in the EPAC on Tuesday, where Spring Mills was able to prove once again that they're the top dog. Again, I don't think there's many people left that are doubting this team, but after beating the number one team in the state at the time in Morgantown and beating the Jefferson team that's been the top dog in your region for the last couple of years, I mean, the Spring Mills Cardinals have proved that they are heavy favorites going into the rest of the season. It's really hard to say that this team is anything but uh, the consensus, it, at least in my mind, the the poll in which Morgantown is still getting some first-place votes. And again, Morgantown's a great team. Uh, but it's hard to say that this Spring Mills team should be anything but the consensus number one just based on what they've been able to do and the teams that they've beaten as the season's gone on. Uh, you look at the, the EPAC this year and... Uh, they've got a head-to-head win against Martinsburg. They've got a head-to-head win against Jefferson. Those are the other two teams you thought had a chance to be in the mix there. And they've, uh, I mean, they beat Musselman by 70 a couple weeks ago. Uh, so uh, as it all comes together for these teams, I think the expectation has to be that Spring Mills is now the team to beat as you go into the back half of the season. And uh Luke Samples said it from the beginning with the way that their season went last year where they started so strong and then fell off down the end of the end of the season. Uh, he felt like the buzz around his program was that Spring Mills had something to prove and they've certainly come out and proven something. They're 11 and 0 and it, you every team and he said this last night and you'll hear it in just a moment. Uh, almost every team that ever takes the floor is going to lose at some point. Uh, but to this point Spring Mills hasn't And again, they've proven that at least until someone knocks them off the top of the mountain, that they're the team to beat in the EPAC and around the state. As always, you can text us. Uh, 304-263-4321. We'll hear from Luke Samples here in a moment. Uh, Enraged is the text line. As the texter says, alarm at 640. You've slept most of the morning away. You're not wrong. You are not wrong. I'll tell you this. I got into some bad habits in college. When you're able to choose your classes, absolutely, I'm not getting up at 7 o'clock in the morning to go to class. Oh, I was a crazy person. I would get up at 5 a.m. to go work out. Oh, at, that's that's at, problematic. I would get up at 5 to go work out at 6, come home, shower, go back to bed, 
and get up at 10 for my 10:30 class. You see the well that's that's insane. That is that is crazy person behavior. Yeah. The, the issue with our our line of work is you have a lot of longer nights. Yeah. So uh getting up pre 6 o'clock, only Kyle Wiggs can do that consistently. And I don't know how he does it. I I know how he does it. I lived with him for 21 years. It is he takes just unprecedented naps. Like 3 4 <laughs> hour long naps. Uh, so anyways, Kyle Wiggs, elite nap dad. Oh, I mean, he's got it down to a science. He's one of those guys that he sits down and can fall asleep in a second. It takes me like 15 minutes. I, I, I wear myself out trying to fall asleep, then to fall asleep and then whatever. Anyways, I, I apologize for the, uh, the, the rabbit trail there. Luke Samples was gracious enough to give us the time again last night. Spring Mills, a 66-42 winner over Jefferson. Here's how the postgame interview sounded. Most popular man in the Cardinal Coliseum right now, and he joins us now. And Coach Samples, we were talking about how your team can win games in a variety of different ways. You're coming off a performance where you put up nearly 100 points against Musselman tonight. You hold one of the best offenses in the state to single digits in the first two quarters. Can you talk about your defense? Well, you know, uh, they like to get after you. So it all starts with not turning the ball over. I think we had 12 tonight. Um, our goal is always under 13, um, and then we can win. But, yeah, our defense, uh, we play man-to-man, but we do we, we do a million different things with it, as you see. Um, not going to give everything away, but, you know, we, we can we can switch multiple guys. We can X on the backside. We can blitz random things. Um, that's what we have to do. Like, Jefferson Jefferson High School is really, really good. I mean, with, with the Jenkins kid, they're a different team. Um, but when you, have, when you have Max and you have Zay and you have uh, CT, they, they, they can just guard uh, a Division one point guard and then Max can guard a big. It does, you know, it makes my job a little easier. It does, it's hard. It's hard to do. Um, it's hard to learn everything we do. But uh, you know, they're they're gym rats. And uh, again, man, I think not turning the ball over against Jefferson's key. Um, and then defense, like we don't press, we don't run exotic zones. We guard, we rebound, and then we run. And we practice it every day. It's like what you guys see out here. And I think we talked about a little bit preseason. Like we practice it. And like Lokai and uh, Max now, and like even Zay and CT and Tyler Jones and. Quasi doesn't as much, but they get out and run. We run the yeah. lanes, man. We're like a plane taking off at the airport. That's what I tell them all the time. So, like, take off, run your lane, and, and, and go finish. Uh, you know, with this team really just playing a six, seven guy rotation, there's been some people say, you know, the knock on this Spring Mills team is they don't go very deep into that bench. But when you have the balance of scoring that you guys have, you don't need to go that deep. Four guys in double figures tonight. How important is spreading that scoring out to you? Well, let me ask you this question, man. Uh, you, you can only, like, for people that say that, and again, they'll find something next game. <laughs> uh, I love them, though. I love them. I love everyone. But uh, so we don't care about any of the depth talk. We are machines. Hmm. We build, You don't have it. You can be in the weight room every day in the offseason. You can be on the track every day in the offseason. Okay, we can be only be in the gym 32 days. Okay, who cares? We're still going in the weight room two or three. We, we lifted uh, three times last week. So, again, like, we are machines. Why am I subbing off machines? They're, they're, and, and you're starting to see it. Other teams just play a lot of guys. Um, we don't have to because they're in such peak physical condition. Um, and, you know, they're, they're a little crazy in the head in a good way. Um, they just it's, – it's mental, man. And, like, these kids are just built different, man. Like, it's just like, uh, you know, I can kind of relax unless we don't uh, run the right offense at the end there for about five possessions. <laughs> um, then I get a little crazy. But, no, I mean, like, like, I don't believe in the depth talk. We have depth. We have five guys and plus Tyler Jones. And, and again, our other guys, Logan Bush and TJ Crawford, they, they've gone in and they're good players. Um, we have a kid on JV and a freshman that are really good that, are, that you'll be seeing. But, um, yeah, we don't wor- I don't worry about, like, how many guys we're going to play. I worry about making the guys that we have from, from 1 to 30 in the best physical shape possible where you never get tired. Right. And we don't get tired. We just don't. Well, Coach, lastly this, how do you navigate 
uh, a win over the number one team in the state at the time and a win over the number one team in the EPAC, an undefeated record. I don't need to tell you what number's next to your name, but also the fact that it's still just the month of January, building on the confidence of your success, but also staying humble enough to continue to get better and continue this success into the month of February and hopefully March as well. Um, it's like LOE, the old uh, football coach at Indiana used to say, to love each other. Um, we love each other, man. Like, that's all we got to do. We come, like, they love to practice. Like, they come in cheering, like, in, in, in practice, like they do in warm-ups, like, like a bunch of wild banshees. <laughs> and it's like, that's all we got to do. Like, they, we haven't accomplished anything yet. Um, we love the number one. We appreciate it. Um, but, again, man, we're on a Dayton Dunbar over, over in Ohio uh, on, on Saturday, and you better believe they're pretty good. So, um, yeah, man, just love each other, believe in each other, have fun with one another, and just believe, man. Like, again, <laughs> Down the road, you know, are we going to lose? I mean, most teams do lose. Um, but it's okay. Like, it's okay if you win. It's okay if you lose. Um, and we're going to learn stuff off that at the end. Uh, at the end of the day, I think that's what it is. Like, this, you see it. You've seen it coming to games. Um, this, we love our students. The students love us. We love our administration. The administration loves us. We love the teachers. And uh, if you have that special culture, you just continue to do what you're doing. And don't get too crazy. Don't look ahead. Our next game is Dayton Dunbar. We haven't talked about him. We worried about Jefferson. And uh, we're looking to get better on Saturday when we travel to Dayton. And we'll have fun going to Dayton. You know, we're going to practice at a couple colleges. So um, these kids deserve it, man. I love them to death. So that's Luke Samples after the victory against Jefferson. The Cardinals uh, maintaining, you would presumably assume, their top record and uh, top ranking, I should say, in both the coaches' poll and the AP poll. Like we mentioned, Martinsburg fell on the road yesterday against number two Morgantown. Sharon Young uh, proved to be a little bit too much for the Bulldogs to handle. So we're probably going to see them move out of the top five, but I'm curious to see when the rankings come due. And I think the rest of the state now is anticipating and hoping that we get a rematch of that Morgantown Spring Mills game at some point in Charleston. And I'm sure a lot of people would hope it's for the state championship game, but a long way to go between now and then as the Cardinals were victorious last night against Jefferson. We've got more EPAC basketball coming up. Um, this Friday night, as Martinsburg will take on Jefferson. No Shepherd basketball tonight. We've got Shepherd basketball coming up this weekend as well, as we have the next two nights off on our broadcast schedule. Um, but stay tuned because we've got more sports on the horizon. Like I said, we'd love to elicit your comments 304 263 4321. We've got a break to take. Don't forget, at the bottom of the hour, we're going to be joined by Adam Carter, the head coach of the Paw Paw Pirates. But when we return, the Mountaineers just completely evacuated all the momentum that they had over the weekend, losing last night to UCF. We'll break it down. You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Follow our socials for updates on live broadcasts of local games. As we mentioned, a couple of days off from our live games. We've got uh, Martinsburg and Jefferson coming your way this Friday night and some boys' hoops. Uh, more high school girls and boys' hoops all the way through the state tournaments and championship games in Charleston. And uh, our Shepherd schedule will resume uh, coming up this uh, weekend as well. The Mountaineer basketball team, basketball team in action last night against UCF, falling to seven and twelve overall, two and four in conference play. Outscored by thirteen in the first half, thirty-seven twenty-four. Played them dead even in the second. Just was not able to overcome that double point uh, deficit or double-digit deficit. A lot of takeaways from some things the WVU basketball teams cannot be doing the rest of the season. On the top of that list. Your starting lineup cannot combine for 21 points. Your starting lineup cannot have two players that don't score. Kobe Johnson and Pat Sumnick held to 0 for 9 from the field. Raekwon Battle, unfortunately, and I know he was ejected in this game for some nonsense. Um, I find it hard to believe that WVU is going to win a meaningful game this year. 
where he does not score double figures. He goes for five. Kirk Reese held to single digits. A Cook, A Cook held to double or single digits. The only player that scores double figures is Josiah Harris, who is somebody whose minutes have almost entirely evaporated over to, until the last couple of games. He's five of eight from three. If you get that kind of performance from him in tandem to everything else you're getting from this team, you're going to play well. But you can't shoot 36% from three, and that along with the other list of things that I just gave. This is a winnable game. It's a team that is 500 in Big 12 play, but this is one of the games you needed to win if you wanted to save your season with an NIT or NCAA tournament bid. And, you know, Daniel, WVU just not able to build off of the momentum that they got from beating Kansas. I mean, you look at the last four games and you beat Texas and then get run off the floor at Oklahoma. You beat number three Kansas and then don't show up at UCF. It's like, you know, one step forward and eight steps back. It feels like every time something positive happens with this team. And I mean, on and off the court, that feels like the way that it's gone the entire season. And for for one reason or another, you just can't get a cohesive performance uh, on the majority of nights. And, you know, there was a lot of positivity coming out of a win against Kansas. You're playing uh, uh, the team that was picked to finish last in the Big 12 this year. There's a chance that Jesse Edwards plays in this game. Josh Eilert said before the game that he was going to be available in an emergency capacity in this game. And then, you know, once you're down double digits at the half, I don't think you're going to uh, run the risk of putting him in the game and seeing him get hurt again if he's not 100%. But, you know, you're looking at Jesse Edwards coming back very soon. Uh, there was a lot of positivity coming into this game, and then you just go out and completely lay an egg on the road. And I, I get it. With a team that is still gelling and coming together chemistry rise, it's really hard to go into a tough environment. And UCF, uh, to their credit, since they've been in the Big 12 this year, has started to pack that gym out. That was a big part of why they were able to beat Kansas. And it, it's, it's a tough environment. Uh, but at a certain point, there's got to be the mental toughness to say, all right, things aren't going our way, but we're not going to fold here. And they played them even in the second half. But at a certain point, you've just got to stand up and say that we're not going to keep get, getting beat like this. Because it, it would be one thing if you were losing. It's another thing to consistently lose the same way. And it feels like that's what's happening with this team. Well, the Mountaineers are in action against Oklahoma State. That's their next game coming up this Saturday in Stillwater. Um, and then they return home to take on Cincinnati. So WVU on the season now, 7-12, and 12, as I mentioned, 2-4 and four in conference play, and uh, not able to continue that momentum rolling from the Kansas victory into UCF. We'll continue to talk about the Mountaineer men's and women's basketball teams, and that was a topic of discussion with Tanner Lambert on yesterday's Panhandle Sports Live. You can find that episode on our Panhandle News Network Spotify. Break the take when we return. We'll be joined by Adam Carter, the head coach of those Paw Paw Pirates. So stay tuned. It's Panhandle Sports Live. You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live. Can't get enough of Panhandle Sports? Head to PanhandleNewsNetwork.com for articles on your favorite teams. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. As always, you can text us 304-263-4321 as we're broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building here in Martinsburg. Luke Wiggs alongside Daniel Woods. No Parker Stone for the day, but do not fret. He'll be back in the near future, folks, just getting over a little bit of a bug, uh, and we wish him a speedy recovery. As I mentioned back on Monday, got the opportunity for the first time to go to the house that Josh DeLotter built and see the Paw Paw Pirates in action, as they are now 10-4 and four on the season, and the head coach of those Paw Paw Pirates is Adam Carter, who joins us on the phone right now. And, Coach, how are things in Morgan County today? Good. How are you all? 
We're doing just fine. Well, Coach, let's go ahead and start with the last couple of games for your ball club. Four consecutive victories with a little bit of a hiatus there in the middle because of snow. What's been the key in the winning streak, and what do you feel your team is doing well at this point in the season? Um, yeah, the uh, the snow really put a damper on us, keeping our momentum up. Um, but, you know, we, we're just coming together as a team better. Um, struggled a little bit to find our way after losing our two big guy seniors last, last year. But um, I think just the camaraderie of the team, um, learning – Team building, I have a fairly young team. Um, we only have two seniors this year, so that's been the biggest challenge. When we play together and work hard together and go all out, we have good results, and here in the past four or five games, we've seen that. Well, Coach, can you talk about that transition? Like you said, you guys were pretty forward-dominated and had pretty good size a season to go. Uh, in steps into the starting lineup, a, a freshman in Crabtree, Carter, of course, a, a player you're familiar with. Um, and then, of yeah. course, Tan Hoy in the middle. So you know, can you talk about the transition away from, you know, maybe a little bit of a grit-and-grind team to a team that's more perimeter-centric? For sure, uh, Crabtree's really stepped up. Um, as a freshman, I had no doubts that, that he could um, can do what he's doing. I didn't know how early that would happen. Just coming up, you know, from middle school to, to high school or to varsity basketball, the game's a lot faster, and, and he recognizes that. And um, oh, I'm more, honestly – Probably a better coach with the backcourt kids, with uh, with a faster team. So I like where we're going with that. I'm hoping that we can excel here at the end of the season, going into the uh, sectional tournament, trying to trying to get down and dirty with the backcourt and saying, "Hey, this is this is where we're going to win. This is where how we're going to in the future go faster to go better with beating teams is just hustling our hustling our tail off and um, just pressuring that basketball. Uh, last year with the big the big guys, we had Casey Camp, who was six four probably weighed 260. He was a lot to push around. We don't have that this year, but we're making up with speed and hustle for sure. Well, Coach, certainly a guy that's going to set the tone for that kind of speed is Donovan Tanaway, and he just stat stuffs the stat sheet. You look at the, the Max Preps page, and it's 21 points a game, eight rebounds, five assists, five steals uh, each game for him. How important is he to really set the tone for what you guys try to do? You know, uh, it all starts with, with Donovan. You hate to say that about any player with a team sport, but when he comes out of the gate, it's uh, the kids feed off of him. Um, when he comes out making some plays, getting some steals, and he, he's just an all-around good athlete. I mean, um, God blessed him with, with the talent, with, with speed, and he has it. And um, I really – he's a good leader. He's um, very humble about his talents, and, and the kids really feed off him. So he's been a great asset to our school and our team and our program. Well, moving into the forwards that you guys do have, you know, I, I saw when I was in the gym that it looks like Grayson Corbett's also a wrestler. He plays like it. You know, 11 points for him, six rebounds a game, and Williams as well. Coach, my, kind of my takeaway from your bigs is they're really well-trained not to do too much. One-on-one -on -one matchups, they'll take that power dribble. They'll spin to, to either hand and, and try to get a bucket in isolation. But, you know, if the defense is around them, they kick it back out. So it, it seems as though you've got forwards, like you mentioned, a little bit smaller than you do a season ago, but they do a lot of the right things and try not to, to overcomplicate their game. Yeah, 100%. Uh, we work on that in practice every game. <laughs> um, Grayson Corbett, he's, he's an excellent. He's, he's one of our seniors. Um and it, it's, like you said, it's, it's getting that mindset in a fast pace in a stressful environment. Hey, when do I put the ball back up? When do I kick it back out? And those are the things that he, Grayson and Connor, have both both got better with that. And it's just recognizing that in a split second. It's like, hey, I don't have a shot here. 
or I do have a shot, and then I can battle up and, and draw a foul or something like that. And, and they they did very well. They've both improved tremendously, and, and uh, Grayson's really improved a lot as far as decision-making underneath. Well, Coach, also staying on the topic of personnel, kind of running through the rest of your roster, to touch on Carter, if you don't mind. And, uh, you know, Ryan came off the bench and gave you guys some decent minutes. I'm looking at this roster. Like you said, you've got two seniors, so you've got a, a significant amount of talent coming back. I know that uh, Dick came in, the freshman, is somebody else that I'm sure you're developing to be a forward long-term. Can you talk about you know, some of the pieces that don't start for you or a, a player like Carter that's taken a tremendous leap because you know this, this team of yours isn't just built to compete this season but to compete for the next couple of years as well? Yeah, 100%. Um, and, you know, that's something I've talked to the team about and um, talked with our ADs. Like, you know, we are losing a couple guys, but the bench – uh, the night against Timber Ridge, I put uh, Nathan Dick in and Peyton Ferris because I'm like, and I told those guys, I said, "Hey, you guys are our big guys next year. Like, I want to see how, I want to see how you feel out there, see how you react, see how things go." Um, with uh, Carter, him being my son, so he gets to hear <laughs> double dose of of coaching from home and in the locker room. You know, he he's really stepped up, um, ball handling wise. You know, it's anybody's been around basketball, it's very difficult to only have maybe one point guard out there or one guard that can handle the ball. And with him, with Donovan, uh, with Tannaway, and with Crabtree, I always have that trifecta out there, and I can pull Ryan from the bench. You know, to have that small team, um, like Hancock, for example, we had a lead, and I said, hey, let's go ahead and not play keep away necessarily, but let's move that ball. Let's move the ball faster so we went smaller. And that's nice we can we can pull that off the bench. And then, Coach, to dive into the X's and O's of everything a little bit, uh, particularly uh, with when Luke went out there uh, for the game against Timber Ridge, came back talking about uh, the the zone you guys play in the half court, the one three one switch to the one two two, keep teams on their toes, mix it up. Uh, where does that identity start for you guys on the defensive end? Um, you know, honestly, in today's age of two thousand twenty four, we have you know videos. And with uh, everybody recording stuff, it, it's nice for us to like to be able to, to lock in on a max preps or something like that, and, and maybe look what a team does prior to us playing them. Um, you know, 20 years ago we didn't have that. <laughs> you hope somebody had a VHS recorder, but <laughs> you know, a lot of times we don't know what a team's going to do, and we'll start off maybe a, a trap or a one-three-one's kind of our bread and butter right now. Um, kind of covers those wings. Uh, we try to play that. Um, against like a team like East Hardy who can just shoot the lights out on the perimeter. Um, it gives us that that extra step outside on the three-point line where we can throw a hand in a face or something. Um, it seems like that, that fits our team the best, but we also jump back and forth into that half-court trap just to shake things up um, with the with the smaller team and a smaller backcourt. So far, it seems like it's, it's worked pretty well for us. Last year, we were limited on what we could do just because we were big. And a lot of times with big kids, you're just not as quick on your feet. And this year is not the case. Well, Coach, people are familiar with the the high level of, of conference and section and region play here for Quad A and the Eastern Panhandle. But can you talk a little bit about your guys' section and region? I mean, you talk about basketball royalty and that conversation in Class Single A includes Pendleton County and Tucker County. Uh, East Hardy, who's in your section, is a team that's caught lightning in a bottle with how they shoot the ball. I mean, you guys are having a very successful season, but you're heading into you know a postseason with other teams that are also having very successful seasons over the last couple of years. Can you talk about how daunting and challenging uh, that section and region play can be for you guys? Yeah, um, it is. It is very 
I don't want, I hate to use the word discouraging. Um, but, you know, and I take nothing away from um, East Hardy's program or Pendleton or Tucker. Those guys put the work in. I'm very dedicated to the sport, and that's awesome. That's awesome for single-A ball that there's teams out there that are, you know, these some of these single-A schools like East Hardy, they're beating, you know, double and triple-A schools, and that's, that's outstanding, I think. Um, for us, you know, I don't, I don't ever want to say, like, hey, you can't compete with these teams. We can compete. It's uh, mind over matter. You know, it's, it's getting kids to stay focused, not being intimidated by an East Hardy who can shoot. Or, uh, you know, it's, it's just like I tell, them every, I tell them all the time, anybody can win any night. You know, you, you may not think that, but we, anybody that's been around sports, you've seen the upsets. You've seen the Cinderella stories. And I think, I think we do. We can still compete. We, you know, we play Pendleton County, I believe, it's next Wednesday. We haven't faced them yet. Um, but, you know, we, we are in a section where it's just like, you got to bring your A game. You know, sectional tournament will be here before you know it, and, and we just can't we can't slack. You get we got to cut down on turnovers. Uh, we need to get better from the uh, you know just our shooting. Some you know we're just not consistent enough, and I think if we can ever find our lightning in a bottle, so to say, you know we could really surprise some teams, and I'm hoping that's what we're going to do coming down the stretch here. Well, Coach, plenty of opportunities for listeners that want to uh, see the Paw Paw Pirates live. You've got home games coming up on the 27th, 29th, the 31st, like you mentioned, against Pendleton County. Uh, I love the atmosphere. Any team that takes the Florida won't get fooled again by the who is a, is a, is a winner in my book. Yeah. Uh, but for people that, uh, that want to check out you know, a little bit of small school basketball, a lot of our listeners here in Martinsburg or Hedgesville or, or Berkeley Springs, can you talk a little bit about you know, the game day atmosphere there in Paw Paw and kind of that small school culture uh, that you guys create and, and have so much fun playing in in that gym on game day? Sure, yeah. Um, you know, I take a lot of pride in, in, in this school. Uh, you know, I, born and raised here. Uh, spent my four years going to school here. Um, it's an atmosphere like probably there's there's few schools around this area, or at least the Eastern Panhandles, are like us. You know, you can start on one end of the building and go straight through from K through 12 and graduate. You know, that's kind of unheard of these days. And you still have that that atmosphere of, of of pride and like, hey, this is what we got. This is our town. Our, our town revolves around this little school. And to, to see that reflection from the crowd, you know, you, know, you were there the other night. Um, you know, it's – I'm sure all schools have that. I'm sure all schools have that, that atmosphere. But, you know, this this is it for our little town. And, and basketball is like our football. You know, we have our homecoming coming up this Saturday against Shanksville. And it's a pretty cool atmosphere. You know, it's pretty cool to – when a game's coming down to crunch time, you know, you look out in the crowd and you hear those screams for, you know, it, it's a big deal for us. Um, I try to instill all the time with my players, like, be proud of your school. You know, we're only 50 kids. It's kind of it's crazy to say in Morgan County there's a school that's got 50 kids. And I said, you guys are, you know, you're beating some good teams. You know, we, we played Clear Spring. You know, we end up losing by two. I said, Clear Spring's a big school. You know, you guys can achieve great things. You just put your mind to it. It doesn't Numbers don't necessarily matter all the time, you know, and we got a pretty cool thing going here and very proud of our school. I'm very proud of the Paul Paul Pirates, very proud of our fan base. And um, I think we're doing good things. And I think our program is going to be, it's going to be good for a few years to come. Absolutely. Well, that's uh, coach Adam Carter of Paw Paw and coach. Uh, thank you very much for giving us the time this morning and uh, best of luck the rest of the season. Thank you, sir. You guys have a good morning. Absolutely. You as well. And again, just you know everything about that small school atmosphere, and you played at a single A school, Daniel. And I mean, I played at a school even smaller than a single A school. Uh, it's one of those shut down the town when you got a good game. You know, they support the team whether or not they're playing well or they aren't. And right now, they're playing well, 
there's a lot of reasons to go to Papa on a Friday night and have a fun time watching the Pirates play. Absolutely right. And it's that community uh, aspect of things that we were talking about earlier this week when we were discussing uh, the consolidation of schools around the state. And you know we were talking about that uh, post that went up online of the, the sectional and regional alignments from 1959. And I said, and I probably kind of got a little out of hand talking about this, I said, that's the thing that we've lost in so many of these places around the state is that small town community and uh, that uh, that that mindset of you know the team's playing tonight everybody you know jump in the station wagon and drive over to the high school and and support the team and pack the gym and uh, like I said I think we've we've lost a little bit of that but there are still places around the state that we have that and that you have that at the big schools for for certain games or for for certain uh, opponents but a place like Papa they're putting people in the gym every single night and it's because that's what the community does and that's how the community lifts those kids up and it's really impressive to see you can get in touch with us on Twitter as well at EP Sports Network as uh, baseball in the Mountain State says the Potomac Valley Conference in the section slash region that Papa is in makes it tough for really small schools like them and Harmon and Union to be competitive year in and year out it's always great to see them have good seasons like the Union girls going to states last year. You're absolutely, absolutely. right. And, uh, you know, the success, it was cool to see the banners on the wall around that era that DeLauder played, but not just when he played. A couple of years later, they get into the postseason as well uh, and win the region. It means a lot to a community like that. Uh, and you owe it to yourself if you get an opportunity to see some pawpaw basketball, uh, if anything, to see Tanaway play because he's an incredibly exciting athlete. But with him coming back and Carter coming back next year, uh, and Crabtree coming in, they've got really good guards on the bench. Papa, I mean, again, you got to play just about a perfect game because you've got to get through three or four really good teams to get down to the state tournament. But it wouldn't surprise me if they make some noise in sectional play this year and next year because they're a well-constructed team, very well-coached, and, and, and very, very, very entertaining to watch. We've got one more break to take. We'll wrap up the show on the other side, take a look at some national headlines, set up our broadcast schedule uh, for the next week or so. This is Panhandle Sports Live. You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live. Want to join the conversation? Text in at 304-263-4321. Welcome back, Panhandle Sports Live. Luke Wiggs, Daniel Woods, hanging out with you. We've got Panhandle Live standing by top of the hour. And the lineup for that show, the host of that show, may or may not be very similar to this one. Hey, uh, Daniel, you be know. before we jump into some of our national headlines, uh, and it's going to be an interesting show. We're going to be joined by a congressional candidate and also Brad McElhaney. Um, there was some news made in the Division Three ranks that had an Eastern Panhandle connection over the last hours. Uh, that is correct. Alexa Osafo-Mensa, a product of Washington High School, uh, playing her college basketball at Division Three Bryn Athen College, posted a new career high, 19 points in their win last night. So congratulations to her. Also had the, uh, the first triple-double in program history there for Bryn Athens from one Zamina Smith. Uh, and the most assists in a single game is also a record for that college. So. Putting up some numbers. Yeah, big things on the horizon there. Uh, so as we look at some of the national headlines from yesterday, obviously that conversation starts and stops with the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame class this year. That'll include catcher Joe Maurer, Todd Helton, and Adrian Beltre. Uh, some of the best to do it of their era. For Joe Maurer, he gets in um, receiving 76.1% of the vote. Um, and that's in his first year for Todd Helton. It was his sixth year on the ballot. He gets in just under 70, make it 80%. And uh, Adrian Beltre, the highest vote getter in this year's class, 95.1% of the vote. 
Adrian Beltre met with the media after the induction and said he's honored to be a Hall of Famer. Obviously, I'm, I'm honored. Uh, um, it's, it's, it's something that is, is amazing to be uh, even just on the ballot uh, and to be able to uh, now call myself a Hall of Fame is something that I even dream of. I always wanted to be a, a decent baseball player, good baseball player, but I never thought about being a Hall of Fame. Now that I'm in, it's, it's really an honor. I'm, I'm humbled to be uh, called that. It was, it was kind of a it was kind of super sweet and nice the way you got the call and you when you want to see Cooperstown, Cooperstown and the phone call and then yeah, I kind of settled in. Okay, man, I think you are gonna make the Hall of Fame. So it was, it was really nice. How about that? How about getting a call that says from Cooperstown, New York, and when you know you're on the Hall of Fame ballot, that that's got to be kind of a literally getting the call to get into the Hall of Fame. That's got to be kind of cool. I, I would feel like I was probably being pranked, if we're being honest. <laughs> Who is this? Well, I mean, if Cooperstown called me and told me that I'm going into the Hall of oh, Fame, yeah. I know. would assume that it was a prank. That's fair. but uh, Those 13 innings on the Morgantown <laughs> Legion team listen, really, man, are really doing a lot of heavy lifting. Listen, man, that, that carries a lot of weight in certain circles. But, you know, you look at these players, in my opinion, all deserving to get in. Joe Maurer, when it's all said and done, one of the best offensive-minded catchers at a position that is not necessarily known for a lot of offensive contributions. Adrian Beltre, one of the best all-around third basemen to play, uh, and the most impressive stat, I think, is he went in his entire career playing third base and did not wear a cup, which is insane. That is that absolutely is fire. And uh, Todd Helton as well. I don't have any complaints with this Hall of Fame class. I know there are a few that just missed out. What were some of your thoughts on the inductees? Oh, people are going to say that, that Todd Helton's numbers are boosted by Coors Field, and I'm going to tell those people that they're stupid. Uh, <laughs> you don't put up those kind of numbers as a hitter just because you played your entire career at mile high. Uh, and you adjust for – and again, I don't need to get in the math of all of it, but there's ways that people have adjusted for park factors and that kind of thing. And he's still one of the top 20 first basemen of all time in terms of hitting production, even if you take him out of Coors Field. Uh, I think Joe Maurer and Adrian Beltre are both slam dunk guys and they get in on the first ballot. Um, I think as far as guys that were left off, Gary Sheffield in his, his 10th year uh, got close. He was about 10% away. And, and he's one of those guys that's always been on the bubble. It, it feels like Billy Wagner, uh, like I think 73.8% and you need to get 75 to get in. Uh, he's going into his last year on the ballot. Would like to see him get in next year. And I, I think there's honestly a case that Billy Wagner is the best left-handed reliever who's ever lived. Uh, so I, I think that's a guy that you can't leave out, and I hope he gets in next year. Uh, but the three guys that got in this year I, I think are all slam dunk picks. Absolutely, I agree with you. Uh, also elsewhere with the Milwaukee Bucks firing their head coach, which you know there was a Wizards fan that was quick to point out, that Milwaukee is 30-13 and 13 and fired their head coach. The Washington Wizards uh, just cracked the double-digit win mark and are committing their future to Wes Sunsell Jr., which is a mistake, that there are levels in the NBA, and that is correct. Among candidates that are interested in that open Bucks position, look at that. It's Doc Rivers. He's back, guys. <laughs> I, I do not understand the NBA's infatuation with Doc Rivers. He Who does he have pictures of? <laughs> He got one ring out of a Celtics team that was the best of its generation that probably should have won multiple championships. He had a combination of players on the Clippers that routinely were second-round exits in the NBA. A top-10 all-time point guard, Blake Griffin, who was a top-20 player of his generation, DeAndre Jordan, Jamal Crawford, the list goes on, J.J. Redick, and was not able to get that team even past the Western Conference Finals to compete for a championship. Uh, and then his 
and look at his most recent body of work. He took a Philadelphia team that, yes, had a ball dominant James Harden that played a disgusting brand of basketball, leaves, and look at that. Joel Embiid turns into the best player in the league, and all of a sudden that team can space the floor, and they're one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. Funny how that works. Everything that Doc Rivers has touched, I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I'm not saying he's a great coach either. Everything that he touches throughout his coaching career turns to mediocrity. And I do not understand that decision for the Bucs. I don't know about you, Daniel Woods. If they hire him, again, they're just interviewing him. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. There, there's really not a whole lot to say that you haven't already said. Doc Rivers has been around the block. I mean, he won with the Boston Celtics, but he won one title with the Boston Celtics on the first super team that was ever put together in the NBA. And he hasn't done anything of note since when it comes to actually winning in the postseason. Just, it, I don't get it. I just don't get it. And at a certain point, you would like to think that front offices are going to lose their infatuation with Doc Rivers. Uh, if anything, it will uh, get him off of ESPN broadcasts, which will be uh, positive for the viewing experience. Uh, by the way, uh, Baseball in the Mountain State adds Billy Wagner with several exclamation points, and I would only assume that he is also throwing his voice behind Billy Wagner uh, being a Major League Baseball Hall of Famer. Um, so there's that as well. I would be remiss if I also didn't mention, I know nobody cares about it in this area, but my soon-to-be world champion Las Vegas Raiders hired a new GM. It's Tom Telesco. He's one of my favorite general managers in the sport of football and sports in general, so it seems as though we're starting to make some pretty positive moves. Like I said, we don't have games tonight. Daniel Woods and I, uh, weather permitting and health permitting, are going to take in some local uh, professional basketball. We're going to go watch the Timberwolves take on the Wizards tonight. Uh, so if you see us there, shout us out. Give us a little wave. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll pass back and forth a couple adult sodas, as Dan Bongino likes to say. We don't have a broadcast on tomorrow here on WEPM and WCST. Our next broadcast of high school sports uh, will be coming up this Friday night as Martinsburg takes on Jefferson, and then Shepard is back on the air uh, with a men's and women's doubleheader beginning at 1 o'clock and uh, 3 o'clock as well. Daniel, you said you've been to uh, Capital One before. Have you not? A couple of times. For an NBA game. I've never been. I've been for a Caps game. Uh, the Wizards beats the Capitals in a game that Alex Ovechkin scored two goals, so that was about the perfect game to see at Capital One, but not been for a Wizards game yet. I've been twice. I went when I was a, like a, a pretty young kid, uh, saw the Wizards play the Heat. Uh, I've had bad luck at Capital One. Went and saw the Wizards play the Heat. Uh, this was pre-LeBron in Miami. Went and saw the Wizards play the Heat. Dwayne Wade was out uh, for an extended period of time, did not play. Uh, and then a couple years ago, went on a college visit. Hey, folks, almost went to George Mason. That's a story we can tell another time. <laughs> um, went on a college visit to George Mason, went into the city the night before, uh, took in the Wizards against the Raptors. That was the Kawhi Leonard Raptors uh, on their way to the NBA Finals. And Kawhi Leonard was load management that night and uh, did not play. So uh, super fun experience for me at Capital One. Really hoping that I get to see Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards tonight. Well, I'll tell you this. I can one-up you with that story, and I've told you this story before, but the listeners have not heard it. I wasn't really an NBA fan until high school, and that's when I found a John Wall highlight mixtape and thought this is the greatest athlete I've ever seen in my entire life uh, and therefore became a lifelong Washington Wizards fan, which is probably a mistake. But my first-ever NBA game, my dad took me to Cleveland. We went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, had a night of it, just got obliterated by the wind that comes off of the lake. Oh, yeah. Is, I mean, it is outrageous. We're walking backwards, going where you need to go. Yeah, exactly. So, again, I'd never seen John Wall in person. First possession of the game, throws a wicked bounce pass through the legs of one defender, passed another. I think it was Otto Porter, smokes a reverse layup. I was like, all right, we're locked in. Next play, John Wall gets hurt. 
hits a free throw, misses the next one, comes out of the game, and that was the last game he ever played as a Wizard. He had a bone spur, and then that was the end of it for him. That was also his career low in points scored. So that was devastating. Hopefully uh, our fortunes will change tonight. We get uh, an exciting brand of basketball because the Wizards are fun to watch. They're not going to beat anybody. Uh, but when Denny Avdia gets going, Kyle Kuzma gets going, and I'm really excited to see Bilal Koulibaly uh, because he is uh, one of the most unique uh, NBA rookies. Like I mentioned, we're going to be posting this episode on our Spotify here in just a couple of moments, uh, and Pain Handle Live is coming up next. You're not going to want to miss that. Our next broadcast of high school basketball comes up on Friday. For Daniel Woods, I've been Luke Wiggs. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Oh, and I'm the type of guy who will never settle down Where pretty girls are, well, you know that I'm around I kiss them and I love them, cause to me they're all the same I hug them and I squeeze them, they don't even know my name They call me the Wanderer WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.